Today's episode is brought to you by Bioptimizers. Magnesium is the single most studied mineral in existence. It powers over 600 vital and critical reactions inside our bodies. And to date, there are thousands of studies that have proven it to be highly beneficial for the heart, for our energy production and metabolism, our immunity, our sleep, our pain, and more. In fact, the only two-time Nobel Prize winner, Linus Pauling, recommended daily supplementation of magnesium of at least 350 milligrams per day. But there's a problem. Most magnesium supplements fail miserably because they're either synthetic or not full spectrum. When you actually get all the critical forms of magnesium, all seven of them, pretty much every function in your body gets an upgrade from your brain to your sleep, your pain and inflammation. And of course, you feel a lot less stressed as well. That's why magnesium breakthrough is different because it combines seven essential forms of magnesium into one convenient supplement with one simple action. Now you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all its forms. And right now, my listeners can get exclusive deals over at magbreakthrough.com slash stacked. That's magbreakthrough.com slash stacked. Plus, use code STACKED10 to get an additional 10% off your order. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. That is the story of human progress. One inch at a time. I'm your host, Joe DiStefano, and you're listening to Stack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's show. I'm excited you're here. It's just you and me today. Uh, today is a solo episode that I'm so excited to be sharing with you. Uh, it's a little bit of my story here that I thought might be useful and uh, it's just, you know, at the end of the year and you, we all start prepping for, for what's to come in the, in the coming year. And we start to look back and look forward and see where we're at. And, uh, this has been what's been on my mind lately. And it's just so funny the way the world works. And I really hope this is a motivating show for you. Um, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't know where I'm going to take it, but, uh, I know obviously, uh, my guardrails and my focus and my intent. So I hope that, uh, you find this show uh, both motivating and inspiring, maybe, uh, and also maybe grounding. You know, I think that's another objective of mine is to is to get us to see that uh, this life that we're all in is is really something magical. And sometimes when we can step back and and kind of take that ten thousand foot view and get out of the weeds of the day to day and and start to see where we're at and where we're headed. Um, it's, it's really pretty magnificent and you start to see a little, you get a little hint of, of what the hell is going on here because <laughs> it's too funny when, you know, I think when we look back or maybe we're in a, a dark period right now or a sad period or a stress period or, you know, family struggles, relationships, there's so many people I've spoken to lately that have just, you know, they're in these, um, somewhat challenging times and, you know, it's for me, you know, literally what I would call the darkest period of my life planted the seeds for literally everything that I teach today. You know, back in the day, I, I was pretty darn sure I was just going to be a fitness guru for life, a trainer, a gym owner, a physical therapist, wannabe, all the things that I was doing. And I've always been pretty damn good at that. And I still love it. Of course, I absolutely love teaching kettlebells and, and helping people reduce their pain and improve their performance and, and function at a higher level. But uh, that wasn't the thing that was 
that was maybe going to cure my desire for contributing or knowing that I was in my highest self or my highest greatness. And it was interesting that this period that I'm going to tell you about today of my life that in retrospect, not so much at the time, I was a kid and not quite sure I knew what was going on, but uh, in retrospect, a period of what I would call depression in my life, just the darkest days, the saddest, the most ungrounded for sure, and definitely the most confused, I'm beginning to see have led me exactly to where I am standing today and uh, having come off this magical Runga event. In October last month, I, I'm beginning to see that I planted the seeds for everything that my business has become today and heading into 2022, way back in 20, 2008 and 2009. And I know so many of my friends and clients and people that I've spoke with over the years have had this same experience that it's the bad or it's it's the it's the uh, adversity on our path that often leads to something good or even great. And I think for those of us, you know, what's interesting too is that uh, for those of us who conquer adversity and take on challenges and in an unorthodox or organic way and come out on top, fortunately, um, I do believe it's it is up to us to help those, to, to reach out that helping hand to those who are struggling. Because as you'll hear on this podcast today, and as you may know from previous episodes, uh, or from your own lives, it's all, it's very easy to identify with the problems that we're having in any given moment and let them own you, to believe in them so strongly that you actually fuel them. And, um, at that point, they become very limiting, and I don't believe that in many cases they have to be. Put simply, I guess, maybe maybe a doctor tells you that your patella, which is you know this little bone on your kneecap, uh, maybe a doctor tells you that your patella is not tracking right, and, and you start going crazy about it, and you start researching patella femoral stuff and researching orthopedics and whatever, with the goal beginning to slowly be, to become getting your tracking right in your patella instead of, say, reducing your knee pain or playing that sport that you strive to play. So sometimes when we get an analysis or uh, a diagnosis or we discover a, a, quote, problem, we lose sight of what the heck we're doing because we get so, so consumed by the problem. And, you know, at least from my experience, you know, in that particular example, it's like, who cares about one doc's opinion about your patella? There's 7 billion people on earth. There's probably a lot of people with worse track knees. They're out there playing soccer somewhere. You know, from my experience working with baseball guys, you know, it's something like 78 or 80% of baseball players have bizarre shoulder anatomies that would probably lead to the same percentage of desk jockeys going to get surgery to fix a quote problem that they believe exists. But that problem is actually what contributes and what makes them so great on the mound. So, Sometimes these problems that, you know, uh, you know, white, white coats, you know, like to diagnose and treat, they're not actually what's causing the symptomology. Uh, and now I'm getting off track. But anyway, I wanted to share this story with you, my kind of most loyal audience, I assume, for a lot of reasons. Um, but perhaps one of the big ones is that sometimes your highest greatness is, at least I've found, in the mundane or in the in the last place you look in your life. I'm just beginning to realize that I found Runga 
you know, not in 2015 or so when I went on that yoga vacation that I've, you know, talked about on the show before and a lot of, and on a lot of other podcasts when I, you know, kind of like came up with the word runga and, and saw what it meant. And, you know, that's what I thought the origin story for runga was. And I, I've just realized recently that I found runga in 2009 even though I didn't host an event until 2015 and I didn't host an event that maybe embodied what I had found in 2009 until 2018. And then that business is just now coming into its own here in 2021 and definitely in 2022. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And yeah, man. So let me begin. Um, And actually, you know, before I do, I wanted to tell you guys uh, every single morning, uh, especially this time of year, you know, it's starting to get cool again, you know, and here in Texas, it's too funny, man. This weather is absolutely bizarre. I get up, you know, I take my son for a walk with my wife and my dog and we're literally in winter coats in the morning. And then, you know, by the afternoon, it might be like 80 or 90 and we're out in shorts. So there's something bizarre going on. But anyway, we're starting to enter that time of year, dare I say flu season. And so when I wake up in the morning, guys, here's what I do. I get out of bed. I, you know, obviously there's probably a kid jumping on me and things, but I'll leave, I'll omit those details, but you know, uh, simplifying my morning routine, I come out of my bedroom. First thing I do is drink a massive glass of water. And I usually share it with my son, him and I oftentimes get up slightly. We try to let mom sleep as late as she can. And that means usually like she sleeps 15 minutes longer than us. But anyway, so my son and I come out and we drink a humongous glass of water. And what it is, it's this huge, you know, just large mason jar or large glass. And I'll drop like three hydrogen tabs. And I actually share it with my son. Him and I sit on the floor and we both just take sips from this hydrogen water as it's going down. And that morning hydration is absolutely vital. My good friend, Eric Remensberger, who uh, put stage four metastatic prostate cancer into full remission a bunch of years ago, Uh, One of the biggest things outside of jumping in the ocean every day that he told me was drink 16 to 20 ounces of water in the morning as soon as you wake up. And so I still do that. I've not missed a day since he said that to me, probably in 2017 or 2016. Um, And then what I do is I go over to the fridge and I take my glutathione and my NAD gold and I pump, pump, pump. I do three or four pumps of both of those and I hold them in my mouth for 30 seconds. Uh, And that is both my sort of my detoxification and immune support. You know, when you've been sleeping all night, your body has actually been detoxifying things. So I like a few pumps of glutathione because that's that sort of like shepherd for detox, for detoxing, right? So it basically creates a little molecule around a toxin that helps you get rid of it. So first thing in the morning after I hydrate, and I'm sure that there's some toxins floating around my bloodstream that my body has been dealing with all night, then I pump it with the glutathione. I also do the NAD gold and I've got NAD Platinum as well, which is another product that has some other synergistic ingredients in it. But I've been using the NAD Gold uh, just because I'm still in a really fasted state. I don't want any like B vitamins at this time or anything like that sometimes. So the NAD Gold is just um, some some really good methylation support and NAD in the form of NMN. Uh, and this is great for our mitochondria and our energy production and our anti-aging. And then I go play with my kid and I start my day. But why I'm telling you this is that that cornerstone of my morning routine involves major hydration, detoxification, and energy production. And all three of those products are created by my good friends over at Quicksilver Scientific. And you guys can find all of them, including some others that I really, really, really love, like Immune Charge and their 30-day reset program, over at coachjodi.com slash quicksilver.
That's coachjodi.com slash quicksilver. Uh, on that page, you'll also find links to all three of the podcasts I've done with Dr. Chris Shade. And of course, you'll find a special discount code on that page as well that you can use on any of their products on their website. They're all amazing. But the ones that I use every single day this time of year, hydrogen tabs, they're called H2 Elite, Glutathione, and NAD Gold. All right, guys. Now, getting back to the show, um, let me begin a bit of my story here. Um, and I'm going to fly through some of the parts and um, kind of sink into some others uh, as we kind of go here. Um, but as I was saying a minute ago, the unfolding of life has just been so crazy to me. And, you know, when you start to get that perspective that this truly is an unfolding. And um, lately, for me, it really has seemed like wow, everything really has kind of happened for a reason. And we might just be crazy enough to be exactly where we're supposed to be in every moment. And it's taken me, I guess, my whole lifetime, really, but definitely the last 12 years to see who I was and what I've done and I guess why I'm here, what I'm here to share with the world. And as many of you know, I started training people back in 2004 and 2005. I got a job in 2004, but I wasn't certified in 2000, until 2005. Um, for trainers out there, I got my CSCS credential uh, in 2008 and really early 2008, uh, which today is the only certification I maintain apart from my RKC stuff. Uh, I finished college in 2007, and at that time, I had a full schedule of clients. I was literally training 40 client hours a week in 2007. Uh, on top of school. And then in late 2008, I went to the Caribbean on vacation. And well, I guess I decided to move there. Now, I don't want to make this show about my uh, injuries or medical conditions that I was dealing with. But in 2006, 2007, I began to notice some strange issues with my movement and my energy. Um, and I got some horrible and kind of grim diagnoses from conventional docs and medical professionals that were essentially telling me I was screwed and things were bound to only get worse from here. And then as you do, and when you don't like what your doctor is telling you, you you go research and find doctors that you have a little bit more faith in or a little bit more trust in, and, and you see what you can do about your situation, or at least that's how it used to work. Um, anyway, fortunately, uh, once I kind of got over personally the what I kind of alluded to in the intro, this all too common and somewhat inevitable paralysis and depression that you get into from these sort of diagnoses that, again, they just, they're so common in conventional medicine. When a doc tells you there's nothing you can change, it's your genetics, it's the injury you had, it's, it's this, it's that, or um, it's, it's so paralyzing for a patient and a person. And, um, it's very challenging to get over it, uh, and it's very hard to break away from it, even if you do get on the right path, and I'll, I'll explain more on that in just one second. So after I kind of got over some of those diagnoses and some of those grim outlooks, I went and find some, found some great docs, both of whom I've had on this podcast before. One of them's name is Dr. Peter Pococo, and one of them's name is Dr. John Marchese. And both these guys, both these guys worked on me like two or three days a week for a year or more. And it was interesting because for a few months, you know, um, I was in the sort of correct alternative care, right? I had great docs. I had 
uh, docs that were really thinking outside the box. I had docs that were skilled in multiple areas of medicine and, and, um, and physical or orthopedic care. But for the first few months, I was in that correct care. I was in that correct place. I was getting the correct treatment. But I still had the conventional mindset and diagnosis looming over me. And I got nowhere. I kept showing up to Dr. John Marchese and Dr. Peter Pococo because, well, it made me feel better on some level, of course. And I, I knew that I was in the right place. I didn't know what else to do. Maybe I wanted to prove that I was trying or uh, that, you know, maybe I wanted to kind of pat myself on the back and say, like, you know, I held the, you know, medical system's feet to the fire and I'm, I'm doing all I can. But I was definitely identifying with my problem and therefore my heart wasn't in it. And then one day, Dr. Prococo, who actually has a podcast now called the Daily Inspirational Podcast, not surprisingly, I think he found his dharma. And I'll link to his podcast in the show notes and the podcast that him and I did together uh, in his home in, in the Boston area. Anyway, one day, and this is, you know, a decade ago now, but Dr. P, who's this big guy, you know, he's like, um, he's a little bit like Tony Robbins, and he sat me down, and actually, he broke my pattern, just like Tommy, Tony Robbins, Tommy Robbins, just like Tony Robbins would have, you know, it's so funny, I was actually just talking the other day about the movie Shallow Hell, and um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but basically, there's a scene where, you know, the movie's about you know, this guy who's super shallow in his relationships with women. And, um, but it's a, it's a comedy. Jack Black kind of plays that shallow guy. And one day he's in an elevator with Tony Robbins. And I'll link in the show notes if I can find the video of this because it's just a hilarious thing. And so one of the ways that Tony Robbins breaks your pattern. So, you know, he's in the elevator with Jack Black and he has Jack Black visualize, you know, just how big of a scumbag he is. And then right as kind of Jack Black is in this meditation and in this visualization of all these scumbag things he does, uh, Tony Robbins basically grabs him and like, you know, yells, demons come out. And it scares the hell out of Jack Black. And he goes, Jesus, you know, what are you trying to do? Kill me. Um, but it's interesting how we need something like that to break our patterns. You know, I've, I've gone through a lot of Tony Robbins stuff. I'll tell you more about it in a minute. But this idea that like, when someone is like, you know, if someone is like totally in their head, um, you know, when they're just like, let's say they're dramatizing it. Let's say they're like seemingly headed for like a panic attack and they're like, my job's going to, this is going to happen. My boss is going to do this. And the best thing in the world that you could ever do, and no one will probably ever do it, but splash a cup of water in their face. So that would just completely break their pattern, right? So they're completely in their head. My boss is, you know, going to fire me on Monday and I'm not going to get this paper done. Splash water in the face. And it just totally breaks their pattern. And basically, that's what Dr. P did to me. He didn't throw a glass of water in my face, but but he did the Tony Robbins in the elevator thing. And And what he did was he basically called my bluff. And he said, showing up isn't 90, 90% of success. He said something to this effect. You know, it's not about showing up. You know, some people say showing up is 90% of success or 80% of success, whatever the number is. He's like, it's not. It's not. It's, it's having your heart in the game. It's having your mind in the game. And it's putting intent behind every single step of the process. That's success. Uh, and then he actually gave me um, Tony Robbins' personal power to program. 
which is this 30 day, which is this 30 day daily program that I, I could say was life changing for me. Fast forward, uh, his shakeup was enough, right? His metaphorical glass of water in the face, his, you know, his demons come out, his, his major pattern break, you know, because I thought I had everyone fooled. You know, I was this kid who had this problem and I was showing up twice a week to two different docs and, you know, really putting in the time and he called my bluff and, um, suddenly my head was in the game. He basically became my Tony Robbins too, because that from that time on, you know, every time I went in, he, he, he continued to help me shed any disbelief I had about my future or my health or anything else. And guess what? I started to get better, much better. Things started to switch on. Things started to change. I found more willpower and suddenly I actually stumbled into some other, I've talked about this in the podcast too, but this is when I first went on what was called the epilepsy diet, which today we would call keto. Um, and given my condition was neurological from a TBI that I had sustained, the keto diet, the epilepsy diet at the time, because the only people on it were epileptics, um, my, my progress absolutely catapulted. And I've talked about this. You know, I had a, literally a, a rash on my neck for like two or three, well, I wasn't alive three decades, but for, I had had a rash on my back of my neck, well, right on my hairline for 20 years at this point. And um, I had gone to docs. I had tried all the shampoos. I had done everything. And literally two weeks on the keto diet, it went away because that was the first time that I had been truly, completely gluten-free, completely, um, you know, low in, in a lot of the autoimmune stimulating foods. I wasn't eating nuts. Um, I wasn't eating bread. And literally after two weeks, this rash had gone away that I'd just begun to live with because it had been there my whole life. Crazy, huh? Yep. Um, and then once my progress started to really just kind of domino, I decided to take that vacation. And it was for me. And it was interesting because, um, when my symptoms or my ability to kind of work through them began to progress and my future got disproportionately brighter seemingly every day, that is emotional in itself. And interestingly, that was the same experience that I had just this past October when we hosted this Runga event. It was literally a replica of what I went through back then in a way because you know, 2020, you know, live events were basically, you know, set to zero. I didn't know where that business was headed. I knew that's my passion. I know that's what I'm here for. I know I need to bring people together. I know I'm a connector. I know I'm an energetic. I'm not an online guy. I love the podcast, of course, and everything else. But like, I know I'm more of an in-person face-to-face. Let's have a seat uh, and talk about it and swing some kettlebells and things like that. I know I'm that kind of guy. And so, there was this huge emotional roller coaster heading into this Runga event last last month because, well, we, to be honest, tried to do it three times from early 2020 to October 2021. We had to, we did everything for the event and then had to cancel, did everything for the event and then had to cancel, did everything for the event and then had to cancel because of COVID. It just kept happening, but we kept kind of pushing and pushing and pushing and taking on a lot of risk personally and professionally and and refusing to, uh, you know, just go online with it and, and run a mastermind and, you know, do all the things that you can do with the internet and Zoom and you can make way more money because now I can have a million people at my event instead of 40. Um, but that's just not me. So we just kept going and kept going and kept going. And it was interesting because after that event, 
I, it was such an emotional journey in terms of it was so beautiful that the event finally occurred and happened and the energy was there and I see the future is bright. And I had the same experience that I had way back in 2008, 2009, when sometimes it's when you see that things are on the up and you've worked so hard to get there that you need this sort of break and you know it's time to take that break and you know you're going to be okay and you know it's like you got to go work in. And that was literally from the minute the event ended, I was pretty much, I said to, you know, I've said to a lot of people in my personal circles, like I've been in first gear since the event and I can't get out of it. So there's just this like, there was so much emotion, so much emotion. And then suddenly it happens. It's beautiful. It's incredible. You know, you're going to do this again and again and again and again, and you're back in business and things are going to be great. And this is your future and you did it. And then that's when you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to do all that, and I'm going to get back on that train. Well, I got to take a little break first. And so that was the same energy that I had back in 2008 when I went on that vacation. It was like, oh my gosh, I proved that other doc wrong. You know, I am going to be, you know, I am going to be swinging kettlebells till I'm 100 years old. I am going to be healthy and happy. I am going to have a family. I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to be that. And so there was this huge weight um, that was really, you know, challenging for me to hold at the time because I didn't have a lot of spiritual depth at that time. And that's an ongoing process. I'm still working on that spiritual depth in my own life and just really trying to work on myself. But at that time, I didn't have a good backbone and I definitely didn't have a lot of spiritual teachers um, apart from Dr. P, who was a great motivator and a great kind of masculine energy in my life. But, um, you know, today I'm surrounding myself with a lot more of that spiritual backbone, which I think is necessary. Anyway, um, so I decided to take that vacation, um, and it was without doubt my first, what I would call, awakening. Um, Definitely where the universe began to shift me from fitness to health, and today I'm where health meets fitness, right? And over the last decade, I've really focused on helping people run marathons without destroying their health and uh, how to pursue fitness without destroying health or how to, you know, incorporate fasting without losing your performance and, you know, do all these things, kind of have our cake and eat it too. And this vacation, call it, um, was the first awakening and the first real shift because, you know, it's um, it's interesting, right? Because back then, you know, let's look back to 2008, 2009, you know, that was like, I would call earlier days of CrossFit. I think like the first CrossFit games might've been in 2007 or something. Um, health resulted from fitness back then. Right. You know, so the, the maybe unspoken belief was if you get fit enough, you're bound to get healthy. Right. Um, but still, you know, there, there, there wasn't sun without sunblock. No one was talking about vitamin D. Um, you know, no one was, no one had ever heard of grounding easy exercise or going on lawn walks would have been a waste of time. And it was all about hard fitness, intense fitness, hard intervals. Um, breath work wasn't a thing. Fasting wasn't a thing. The keto diet wasn't a thing. So I guess I'm foreshadowing, I'm foreshadowing my my story here. But but when I went on vacation, uh, I was in my early 20s. I was in this very interesting place in my personal life in terms of my health and my outlook and my um, dealing with docs and diagnoses and all these other things. But I also had a very successful personal training business, as I said. You know, any personal trainer knows. You know, getting to 40 client hours a week is. Um, that's kind of like the goal and very few trainers ever get that, ever get that. 
Um, and I went on this vacation and like I told you in the start of this show, I decided to stay. So I left it all behind. And my mantra was basically that you can't take it with you. I remember saying that kind of over and over again, because I was, it was so hard as a young kid who was in college, you know, and you can do the math if I'm a personal trainer. And I think at the time I was, I might've been taking home, I don't know, I was taking home a good amount of money, more money than I ever thought I would make as an adult. And I was still in college, but I started to realize that the harder you chased money, you know, the harder you chase that sort of, um, that energy, oftentimes you're, it, it costs you your health. And of course you can have a successful gym and be super purposeful and be a personal trainer, um, and make a lot of money and still be super healthy. But, um, when I was beginning, when I thought about stepping away from my personal training business and my 40 client hours a week, it was very challenging to have not all that much money in the bank because even though my business was successful, I had put myself through college. I had, I had done a lot of things with my money that were um, what I felt I needed to do, but it didn't result in it being in my bank account. And it wasn't that I was wasting it. I was putting it into good things and helping people that I loved and things like that. But um, I didn't have all that money, much money in my bank. So it was so challenging to say, I'm going to walk away from this business that I've worked so hard at my degree. I just finished it a few months ago and, you know, it was extremely challenging. But again, my mantra was like, you can't take it with you anyway. So just try to be happy. Just chase health, just chase happiness, just figure out what you need to do to be you. And so I'm obviously glad that I did that. But it was interesting because like I said, it was when I went down there, I didn't necessarily know what the hell I was doing. Um, but I guess unconsciously I planted so many seeds that, um, now today are basically they've grown, right? So maybe it took 10 years for some of those seeds to grow less time for others. But it's so interesting because I unconsciously went into this little quote vacation with no real intention other than just taking a break. And, um, I wasn't even aware of the seeds that I was planting along the way. And that's kind of the point of this podcast. So anyways, fast forward, I decided to move the Island of St. John, um, with 1500 bucks and I was going to figure out the rest when I got there. So to get to St. John, uh, you fly to St. Thomas. And by the way, so I went on vacation in December, 2008, I believe, um, with my brother we came home like right before Christmas and then I flew right back. I basically got some more stuff and went back alone. And um, so when you go to St. John, I guess I'll share, you fly to St. Thomas. Uh, you basically, you get out of the plane, you get in a car or a bus or a, or a, one of these van things that are kind of open air. You take that to the other end of the island and take a boat to St. John and then you then you, if you were me, you walked to the apartment that I found, which was magically, gosh, and just somehow I found an apartment because at the time, obviously the internet was around, but like St. John was kind of off the grid and there wasn't like a Craigslist and it wasn't an easy place to find apartments. So I ended up bouncing around like phone numbers because in that week or so I was home before I left, again, I was just calling like, you know, whatever number I could get a hold of. Like literally, I remember there was a gym on the island and I was like, hey, do you know anybody with an apartment? I'm coming down there in a week. I got nowhere to live. Um, and so finally I found this apartment and I just took whatever I could get. I remember literally uh, the, the person called me back. I was at a like a party, like a, literally a college party. 
And I remember I, like the phone was ringing and I knew it was the person that I had left a bunch of messages for because I heard that they, through the grapevine, had an apartment. And I remember going into a bedroom in this college party and um, the person on the other end said that they had the apartment. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, where do I send the money? Where do I send the money? And just like had no clue where on the island it was, what it was, how dilapidated it was, or if this person was actually somebody sitting in Milwaukee just scamming me. But I was just like, I remember sitting in that. So when I arrived, I fly to St. Thomas. I take the bus thing to the other end of the island. I take the boat to St. John. And then I just begin to walk to this apartment or try to find a map and and figure out where the hell it was and hope that, first of all, it's there. And uh, second of all, hope that it was uh, within walking distance because I had all my bags and stuff. And so for any of you that may know St. John, there's basically three roads. There's Centerline Road that goes end to end. And and um, and then there's kind of a road on either side, maybe. But my apartment was literally in the dead center of the island, so four miles from everywhere, pretty much, and a thousand feet of elevation up, since the island is basically like a little mountaintop sticking out of the water. It's crazy. Looking at a map, by the way, like later on, and and even in preparation for this podcast, just to kind of wrap my head around what the hell I was doing down there as a kid. It's hilarious. Like I would. I was literally, while I was down there, doing up to 40K a day on foot. I was hitchhiking where I could, when I could, of course. Hitchhiking is super common down there, and I did. I hitchhiked with cars, and I hitchhiked with boats occasionally, too. I ended up visiting over a dozen islands in the Caribbean during my time down there on various people's boats, um, most of which only cost me a 12-pack of Heineken or something to, to get on the boat. Um, but, but anyways, it was crazy. My apartment was literally in the dead center of the Island. And as I said, there's like three roads. And so there's cruise Bay, Coral Bay on either end. And then there's center line road through the middle. And, um, I was four miles from everywhere. One funny story is about my hitchhiking, I guess, was that one day I got into a car, just, you know, whoever would pull over, of course, and hitchhiking actually feels a lot safer there too, because obviously things can go wrong, but when there's basically only three roads, um, and you're in the middle of the Caribbean, there's nowhere to really go. You, at least I just was like, well, whatever, you know, it's super common. And, um, I think relatively safe rather than, you know, being in the middle of like Pittsburgh or something, you know, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't hitchhike domestically. But anyway, uh, one funny story is that I'm, I am, or I used to be allergic to bees. And I remember one day I got in, you know, I don't know anymore. I think I might've been stung recently and nothing happened. So that was great. But I had a horrible, like, you know, hospitalized after being stung by a bee uh, as a kid. So I had a very, very, very serious allergic reaction to bees as a kid. And um, anyway, one day I was hitchhiking and I get into the car and I say, Hey, thank you. Yeah, this is great. And then I, it's like an SUV with like a, you know, I'm in the back seat, kind of like an Uber and, um, uh, I look behind me, behind the seat, and the car starts moving. And there's literally two huge beehives swarming with bees in the guy's car. And he goes, I'm a beekeeper, man. And I'm like, fuck. And I jumped out of the car. Gosh. I also I also ran a road race called Eight Tough Miles down there, which I, I found out the other night is now um, dead because of, you know, I don't know if it's because of COVID or what. But that's a super fun race. If you ever want to run a race in the Caribbean, Eight Tough Miles. And I remember, I think I... I had my polar watch on and I remember running the race um, and I did it a couple of times just as practice as well before the actual competition. But anyways, it's more like nine and a half or something. I remember being like, why is it called eight tough miles? But basically this is a foot race that goes from end to end of the Island. And, um, the funniest part about running that race was that I was 
dead center of the island. So I literally had to run, walk four miles to the start, then run end to end, which would take me past my apartment. <laughs> so I did eight tough miles, but mine was 12 tough miles. And, and because you're in the Caribbean and it gets real hot, I think the start time of the race was like 5 a.m. And so don't forget, I had to get up, do my thing, have my food, whatever I was doing as a, as a pre-race meal, and then literally run four miles to the start, check in, do all the things. So it's kind of funny. I remember I think I had to get up at like 3 a.m., something like that. Anyway, back to biohacking and, and sort of the point of this show, it's almost comical that none of the things that I did on the island back in 2008 were on trend. None of them were on purpose. I gave no one thing I did any credit at the time, really until more recently through these years, this journey that I've been on ever since going to the Caribbean and learning so much. And obviously the industry and uh, just major thought leaders like my good friend Ben Greenfield as an example have taught me so much. Um, but it's just so interesting in retrospect. And that's really what I want to share today. And, and personal trainers listening know this where sometimes it's like, you know, a client comes in with back pain and once they get moving and they start to do your thing, they, they start thinking about performance and they actually forget they ever had back pain. And that's what my experience was down there. When I, when I got home, I'd say to people like, oh, you know, I just sat on the beach for a few months. I just sat on the beach for a few months. I feel great. What's the secret? I just went to the Caribbean and sat on the beach for a few months. And it's hilarious because in reality, I was biohacking the shit out of myself, not even on purpose. I was moving a lot. Like I said, I had no car. Cars were not easy to even get. Uh, if I wanted one, if I was going to stay for a lifetime, I would have had to figure that out. I was walking again, like probably minimum 20 Ks a day, maybe up to 40 on really tough days. I was meditating daily. I was breathing daily. I was fasting. I was completely disconnected from technology. I was literally hitchhiking, as I said, with strangers in their cars and boats, which is obviously incredible amounts of trust in the universe and, and growing of community. I remember I was hitchhiking once and I got picked up. And next thing I know, I was on an ultimate Frisbee team in the Caribbean. Um, the list just goes on and on about uh, what I was doing down there. And now that I have this more refined biohacker lens versus a fitness kid who thinks he just went on vacation, um, gosh, it's just, it's just crazy. So um, here we go. Health before fitness. This time away was where it all began for me. And it's taken me almost 10 years to really, really, really see that. It was an experience that kind of unbeknownst to me at the time, planted the seeds into literally every realm of health that I teach today. And I wasn't even aware of that at the time. It's what planted the seed for my TED talk on heart rate variability that I did in 2016. Um, it was the seed that led me to Spartan Race. And having no problem traveling and navigating the world almost alone for a decade with Spartan shacking up certifications for trainers around the world, et cetera. It's what planted the seeds for my getting super into fasting uh, in 2017. And really, you know, that's when I started doing a three day fast every three months. That's what planted the seeds for my kind of intense faith in myself and trust in the natural ebbs and flows of this life. Anyways, and now I want to kind of take you through some of the biohacking that I learned back then. And um, I guess a little bit about what I think about it today. And since 
at that time, believe it or not, I didn't really believe in dietary supplements or vitamins. I was a total food quality guy and, and clients of mine. Back in the day, I remember saying like, just maybe a multivitamin, but you know, then just focus on fruits and vegetables and really, really, really high quality food. And so since that was my mindset at the time, let's start with vitamin D and let's start with sunlight. When I was in the Caribbean, I was literally outside from like 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. most days, mostly on the beach. End of story. When I, when I, when I got home, uh, this is a kind of comical story. When I got home uh, after however many months in the Caribbean, uh, I was actually asked by you know more than one person if I was Indian, if I was actually of Indian descent. I was so dark. So I'm pretty sure my vitamin D was probably deficient, um, but I think it went from zero to 100 during my time on the islands with with absolutely no supplements. And I don't need to go into the biohacking of a light environment, but when you think about if we did nothing else and we avoided technology, and I'll go into that more in a second, but um, if we were outside in nature, in the ocean, which grounding, I'll get to that too, but our light environment, I've got a podcast with Dr. Leland Stillman where we touch on this. It's episode 162, I think, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But um, our light environment is magically important, critically important. And when our light environment is basically either indirect sunlight or in the shade, peering out into sunlight, uh, and of course, rising and falling with the sun and not being exposed to super bright lights apart from moonlight uh, after dark, that alone will regulate our neurotransmitters, our emotions. Of course, it'll deepen our sleep. Of course, it'll improve our vitamin D, which increases our immune system and a lot of other important processes within the body. So when you think about it, if I did nothing else down there except sit on the beach and all I did, and let's say the beach didn't ground me and I never went in the ocean, if you were just exposed to a perfect light environment, as I believe I pretty much was for a long period of time, that alone will heal so many dysregulated systems within your body. And so I want to, that's the foundation exercise. You know, I couldn't exercise. So when I had to stop exercising when I was really getting super into that treatment because my body, my movement was just really off and maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk more about it, but um, I basically had to stop swinging kettlebells, lifting heavy, et cetera, during this time. But when I went down there, I was walking, hiking, and swimming a ton. Swimming felt the best because, well, you know, obviously there's a reason why old people love aqua aerobics and physical therapy will often take people in the pool because, well, the buoyancy and everything else makes it a really great environment. So I got super into swimming, very into walking, of course, because that was my only mode of transportation apart from hitchhiking and um, and also hiking. St. John has a lot of amazing hikes. Um, I just did an incredible amount of this low level physical activity, which we know from the blue zones research is actually more important than CrossFit and swinging kettlebells and everything else. All sorts of people in those zones live to hundred plus years old, and none of them have probably swung a kettlebell in their entire life. It's kind of interesting, actually. Um, as I mentioned too, uh, I, I mentioned the ultimate Frisbee league, um, where I played once a week, which was actually where I got some of my sprinting and intervals in. But it was interesting, too, because uh, one of the hikes on St. John is called the Reef Bay Trail, um, and it's basically this hike that's like a reverse hike. You actually start downhill, and you go down. You can go to all sorts of different bays and see some um, see some like really old um, mills and, and things that were, you know, some kind of, I guess you call them ruins. Uh, but basically, it's just like it starts three miles downhill, 
and then you basically get to the bottom, you hang out at the beach, whatever you want to do. And then you come up three miles uphill. It's like a, yeah, it's like a reverse hike. And one day I was hiking that. And of course I had no cell phone. I did have a cell phone, but it was so unreliable that I would often just like, maybe I'd have it in my bag, but like, it was just didn't really work. You know, you can imagine cell service at the time, you know, cell service has come a long way in, in the last 10 years. In fact, it's either the podcast I did with Daniel Debon or, or, um, Arthur Menard or one of those guys, but yeah, it's, um, one with 13 zeros after it improved percent between 2010 and 2020. <laughs> That's how, how, you know, how much the wireless radiation has increased. Um, so you, anyways, my cell phone barely ever works, so I almost never brought it. But anyways, I was on that reef bay tra- trail hike after a rainstorm and I was doing that reverse hike and I was alone and I slid and hyperextended my knee. And uh, it was actually one of the things that got me to come home because I started to realize I knew as I was laying there and my knee was kind of hurting me, I knew it wasn't bad enough to stop me from hiking up this thing. But I was like, wow, no one else is around. It's kind of wet. Like I might've died here if this knee, if you know, I had somehow like pushed my femur through my skin or something like that. So I was like, well, this might be one reason that I should consider getting a friend or, um, going home anyway, it was kind of one of the impetuses anyway. So exercise, I mean, when you look at, you know, if somebody is overtrained, right. Um, a lot of clients over the last five or six years, I've actually had them reduce their personal, their personal training, reduce their training and physical training dramatically as a, as a source of, um, growing some of that, um, chi within them and restoring a lot of their energetic, um, health. And so when you look at what I did is I left, you know, I had already taken a long break from, uh, hard, hard training when I really started going deep with Prococo and Marchese. But when I got down there, I was walking 20 to 40 K a day. I was swimming in the ocean every single day and I was taking these like pretty arduous hikes as well. So just an incredible amount of low level physical activity, which we know extends life. And then after a couple months, when I had joined that ultimate Frisbee league, which was like once a week, maybe, maybe twice a week, some weeks. I was getting a lot of intervals and sprinting in, which in the sort of Mark Sisson approach where, you know, it's like almost exactly his model, right? Lots of low level physical activity plus sprinting. So breath work, um, breath work didn't really exist at the time. And I know guys like Dan Brule who I've had on the podcast, I'll link to that show as well. Um, I know Patrick McEwan was over in Ireland teaching breath work. I know, I know, I know that Tony Robbins would have me take breaths and I know, but it wasn't like breath work. Like there wasn't like the industry, there wasn't like the incredible, incredible amount of resources and awareness and experts and influencers and, and beliefs. Wim Hof obviously was doing his thing, but like no one had heard of Wim Hof in 2010. I'm sorry. So, but Holy smokes, when I was swimming every day and going out on these boats, I got pretty into scuba diving, snorkeling. I actually got a job teaching snorkeling at, um, Trunk Bay, which I'll tell you about in just a minute. But anyways, I wouldn't have known the word breath work if you had said it, but guess what? I was practicing. I was seeing how far I could swim on a single breath every single day as part of my workout or part of my swim. And then I was also getting into free diving. I I really liked snorkeling, but it was like pretty expensive. I didn't have any of the gear. So I just started to do um, free diving and seeing how far down I could swim uh, without basically hurting myself. And so I was doing tons of breath holds, even when I was, I was sitting on the beach, like between cruise ships. So basically when you teach snorkeling on, on trunk Bay, 
you these cruise ships go into St. Thomas or wherever, and then they kind of ferry people over. And so you get these waves of people. So this like cruise ship full of people come in at like 9 a.m. They snorkel for an hour and then they leave. And then maybe at 12, another cruise ship comes in and they're there 12 to 1. So if you're the snorkeling instructor, you basically work 9 to 10, 12 to 1, 3 to 4. And that's about it. And the rest of the time, you're just literally sitting on the beach, you know, drinking a Heineken or something. So I would actually, you know, every morning I would do my Tony Robbins thing on a beach called Honeymoon. And then I would kind of hit the road and, and come up, come up the trail. And then I would go all the way down to Trunk Bay. I would try to get a ride. I would try to hitchhike from Honeymoon to, to Trunk if I could. But um, I would do the Tony Robbins thing and then I would go to Trunk. And then in between cruise ships, I would be doing max breath holds or I would be out there myself trying to see how far down I could, I could swim or how far I could swim on a single breath underwater. So, so interesting, right? Even though I wouldn't have known the word breathwork, I was doing a ton of it every single day. Meditation. I wasn't consciously meditating, but guess what? I was doing Tony Robbins' personal power 30-day program every single day religiously. It was literally my religion, um, which got me journaling every single day, meditating every single day, slowing my breathing down, pondering important questions as I looked out onto the ocean. And of course, I'm sitting on the ground. The other thing I did, which I believe J.P. Sears, who I've told you guys about on this podcast, I know he's a big comedian today and everything else, but he was actually a Paul Check. Um, he taught Paul Check's holistic lifestyle coaching program way back in the day, and I took that course. And I believe he was the one that pushed me on to EFT, which is Emotional Freedom Techniques, which as fate would have it, I just did a show with a week or two ago with Miss Amy Piper. Amy Piper is a uh, an amazing practitioner of EFT. And EFT was the other thing that I did every single day almost. And it was so powerful. And I tell you guys on that podcast with Amy, kind of why I've kept EFT to myself and why I basically never talked about it publicly until now. I, I really tucked it away. But it's one of those things kind of like I talked about with the personal training client who has the knee pain, who, you know, you've heard the back pain that you fix so quick with a couple of side planks and and bird dogs that they start focusing on performance and they forgot they ever had back pain. EFT was this thing that like literally gave me my life back, but it worked so well so quickly that I shelved it and forgot about it for the last 12 years. But EFT was just a game changer. And that is absolutely meditation. That is Kundalini yoga. That is an amazing, amazing practice I was doing every single day. Again, planted the seeds and look at me, 12 years later, 10 years later, whatever the number is on the podcast with Amy Piper talking about EFT after basically not even saying the three letters together in the last nine or 10 years. Food is one of the most um, funny biohacks and sort of just situational and actually way more in line with the blue zones um, in terms of how I was eating than I could have ever done intentionally. As I said, I was on a major budget. I went down with, with 1500 bucks and I had to make that last. I know when I taught snorkeling lessons, I made a couple of bucks that actually I was really living on. But, um, anyways, I was on a major budget and, um, I remember on the Caribbean, anybody that's been down there and obviously inflation and everything else. When I was there, apples were five ninety nine a pound. And I'm not talking like great organic whole foods, apples. I'm talking about like gas station apples. I'm talking about like Apple's worse than what you could probably find in like a gas station here, but they were sitting in the grocery store for premium prices because everything on the island, it has to ship from wherever it is to probably Miami, and then it has to ship from Miami to St. Thomas, and then it has to 
sit on the shelves on St. Thomas for a while, and then it has to eventually make its way to St. John. It was literally to the point that I could save so much money that I would take the, I think it was 12 bucks. There was a $12 ferry that I could take to St. Thomas, and it was it would save me money to take the $12 ferry to go grocery shop in St. Thomas and then come all the way back on another $12 ferry. And I was only getting what I could fit in my backpack. So the the food prices were just insane on St. John's on St. John and meats were basically disgusting. Uh, I would look at the meats in the stores and be like, "Ugh, you know, I didn't, I not that I had anywhere really to cook anyway, but, um, it was insane. So, I would do eggs sometimes, um, but long story short, I ended up pretty much on an OMAD diet where I would go to a place called Mongoose Junction. I would get a humongous black coffee in the morning. Um, and then at night, I would go to the fish pier and just get like $10 worth of that day's fish. I wasn't fasting. I didn't know I was on the one meal a day. I was simply trying to get healthy food uh, into my budget. And I, I never really considered it fasting at all because, you know, Hey, I would often have a, a Heineken and some peanuts, you know, when I was sitting on the beach or, you know, it wasn't intentional fasting. That's just what you do down there. Heineken, I'll, maybe I'll talk about beer, but I wasn't on the OMAD. I wasn't fasting. I was just poor. <laughs> so, I, I would basically fast all day just on black coffee, and then I would get often like a pound of fish and just eat it raw like sashimi. And once in a while, if I you know got a good tip or something that day, I would go to the sushi restaurant that was on the third or fourth floor of the shopping center, and I would get this humongous bowl. It was 20 bucks. They had a huge bowl of rice, white rice, and then they would put like a pound of fish on top of the rice, and it was this $20 bowl. I don't know if it was $20 on the menu, but it was $20 for me because I went in there with some frequency, basically anytime I got a tip. And that was like, you know, I'd probably have that twice a week. And that was like basically my sustenance. Crazy. And I guess, you know, I'm going to talk about beer because it's so funny. Green bottle beer is huge um, in the Caribbean and it's beer is just hard to avoid if you're living on St. John, Heineken mostly. Um, There's some other ones like Bex is also a green bottle beer, but they just love green bottle beer down there. But it's so funny because just the other day, uh, my good friend Ben G on Twitter, as he always does, he's always posting studies and stuff. He just posted this study about moderate alcohol consumption. And I basically don't drink anymore. You know, it's funny. I At Thanksgiving, we had a Friendsgiving the other night and I had like half of a daytime IPA, which was like 4% alcohol and I was hung over the next day. I'm like, I had literally half a beer. Gosh. Anyway, um, it's hilarious because Ben posted this study about moderate alcohol consumption. So I just decided to click it. And it was a four week study where people were drinking beer. Um, and I can't quite remember what they considered moderate alcohol. I think it was two or three beers a day, but their C-reactive protein levels and, and their, uh, their inflammatory markers lowered by 35% after three or four weeks of consuming two or three beers a day crazy. And that was, and I think the, the control group was no alcohol consumption. So you take all these people, you take their average inflammatory marker levels. One group drinks two or three beers a day. I don't quite remember how many beers it was, but I know it was beer in the study. The other group doesn't drink at all. 
and there's a 35% reduction in inflammation in the beer drinkers. So it's funny because to me, looking back on this experience, even the unhealthy thing I was doing, which was like, you know, oftentimes drinking a beer between cruise ships, as I said, may have actually been super healthy. Furthermore, I've not recently, but I have dug into Heineken beer. And I remember reading that it almost qualifies as a gluten-free beer. The gluten level is so low that um, it almost qualifies as a gluten-free beer naturally. And I believe it's also non-GMO. I remember looking into non-GMO beers and Heineken was like at the top of the list just naturally. And I don't think they advertise that, but just crazy. It's like everything about this health-focused journey, yes, but everything about it that wasn't health-focused 10 years later as I look back is pretty close to what I would try to replicate on purpose. But isn't that kind of funny? It's just living with purpose. So down there when I was there, I didn't have the knowledge I have today, but I was just living with purpose. I was just having the aim to be happy. What makes you happy? Uh, Well, having a Heineken between cruise ships with my friends and fellow snorkeling instructors. But today I might even in a funny way, if I read that study on alcohol consumption and said, well, if I have one to two beers a day, especially while I'm on the beach, sitting in the sun, sharing it with friends, that would be a healthy. So today I would probably do it on purpose, but then I was living with purpose. And so today it's funny that I would actually today go back and try to replicate exactly almost to a T what I was doing all those years ago as a kid without the knowledge I have today. And the funny thing is it might not work as well because today I will do it on purpose instead of just simply with purpose. Now that I have the knowledge, it's hard not to do it on purpose. Does that make sense? Gosh, it's too funny. And, and, you know, just to sum this up, you know, back to the sort of light environment stuff, you know, rising and falling with the sun, uh, really, you know, I remember so many times coming home late uh, because I would maybe go to the bar, watch some live music before I walked my four miles home or tried to hitchhike. But there were so many days that I would just be out on the beach looking at the stars walking home with no flashlight apart from the moonlight, which was pretty bright. Obviously no cell phone, no reliable cell phone, only occasionally had the internet. If I like decided to bring my laptop one day and, and go to a, you know, an internet cafe or something to like email my family, which I didn't do that much. Um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy, right? It's like these blue zones, they live far more like I was on the Island. Right. And so living, you know, having jobs that, you know, are purposeful and, you know, they enjoy and not taking it too seriously and, um, living with a lot of intention and purpose, not doing everything on purpose, I think is probably another theme of the blue zones. They don't count hours between feedings. They don't care if they're on the OMAD or the two mad. They don't know, you know, what, you know, they don't focus on making the perfect protein shake every morning with the perfect macros. They don't count their steps. They're just living lives that are embodied whether they're a prince or a pauper, you know, it's, it's too funny, right? There's that saying like, you know, I, and I actually think it's in Tony Robbins program where there's like, you know, the um, millionaire that goes on vacation and he finds the guy that the fisherman who lives on the ocean, who's, you know, going out in his boat every day fishing for his dinner and, um, you know, ear to ear grin. And the millionaire goes down, he's vacationing. He goes, you really gotta, you know, come home and do some investments and, uh, you know, get a job and, and, and then one day you can retire. And the guy goes, so I can retire and live on the beach and go out fishing every day and, and bring my family food home. You know, it's just like backwards things. Sometimes, you know, we get so caught up in, 
in all of these things, even all these things I just said, like, you know, there wasn't the industry behind fasting. There wasn't an industry behind breath work. There wasn't an industry behind low level physical activity. The only industry at the time was really hard fitness. And it's just so funny how like the shift between our natural, our nature versus what we're doing today. And we wonder today why things don't work. You know, even when we do, even when we fast, even when we have the perfect intermittent fasting schedule, even when we do the OMAD on purpose, when we, you know, we have the perfect coffee and all this, it's, it's actually the trying that's getting in your way. If you were really just trying to live a life that was healthy and happy, you'd probably find, as I did, that you end up, quote, biohacking quite a bit. But it's so impossible without the sort of transformative experience that I had, right? So I, you know, what happened prior to me going down there and really clearing the slate to a place where I didn't care, where I wasn't obsessed with how my body looked, right? So I wasn't stressed about, you know, my physical appearance. Not that I looked, I actually looked fantastic, right? Just swimming all day and all this other stuff, but I wasn't as jacked. I wasn't as like, you know, if you looked at me in college, I was probably 15 pounds heavier than I am now. And most of that weight was in my biceps. Um, and so when you look, it's funny, this like this, this medical experience I had with like the really grim prognosis, diagnosis and outlook, um, that kind of like shattered my world. It actually is what enabled me to go down there with such a clean slate. And yeah, I'm in a, in a bit of a depressed place and just saying, you can't take it with you. I'm going to stop chasing money. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to live how I need to live to be happy. And when you look at what I did in the path I took to just live to be happy and live for every moment and and try to just live with purpose and, and provide value to some people and not stress about how much money you make and uh, any money you make, just treat yourself to a better meal than you would have had otherwise. I found incredible happiness and incredible health. And I'll add that when I came home, I was like a magnet. I was like, my business, I immediately, um, within a very short time, opened my first gym by myself. That gym had more customers than I had ever had prior to going. I immediately got into a relationship that lasted seven years. Uh, I was just, good things were just flowing directly into me because I had actually cured myself. I had fixed me. I had gotten in touch. I had done that that program with Tony Robbins, I think I did it two or three times. Just start back at the beginning and do it again. Start back at the beginning, do it again. Um, but it's, 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 I guess to say, it's the trying sometimes that prevents us from achieving the thing we want. It's the striving for perfection that prevents us from ever achieving it. And in retrospect, again, it's taken me, what, 11 years to, to realize that I had it right then. And again, at the time, all I would tell people when I got home was I just sat on the beach for a few months. It's not really that magical. But when I look back through the lessons I've learned over the last 10 years, I say, holy smokes, I was doing it. I was doing it with purpose on accident. And so now, as I strive to provide a service and value to humanity and customers and clients and guests at Ronga. And that's my goal is I want you guys 
to do it with purpose on accident. And that's what I'm going to try to teach you over the next couple of months. And, you know, just wait for 2022. Runga's got some really exciting um, things coming down the hatch that I can't quite tell you about yet, but it's on January 1. It's on. We're going to have some ways to, to experience some online learning. We're launching more podcasts. I'm not supposed to talk about this too much, but buckle up. Tell me, uh, let me tell you that, you know, we got you. We got you covered. You know, whether you can attend a live event, whether you can't, um, we're going to have a way for you to interact with our brand so so that we can all resonate with what I stumbled onto so many years ago that I don't want to say sadly because it's always the way it's supposed to be, but it took me 11 years to realize that I had I had actually figured this thing out way back then, but it took me, I had to get all the information. I had to become... I had to get all of the knowledge in order to get the wisdom. <laughs> so I had, I had all of the necessary ingredients, but I didn't have the knowledge to convert it into wisdom. And so I, I feel that now I'm awfully close to that that place of wisdom. And, and it's when you have wisdom that you can really teach and you can really guide because knowledge isn't very useful, honestly. You need, you need all three components. You got to live it. You need the knowledge to convert it into wisdom. You need the wisdom to teach it back to the beginning of the circle. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this story. I do hope it was motivating, inspirational. Um, and I hope it helps guide you as we all prepare. Gosh, this episode's going live, I don't know, probably November 30th. And um, that means we've got one month to go in 2021, which is just hard to believe. But um, 2022 is going to be an amazingly beautiful, incredible year that I am excited to embark on and it will be the year that I personally create more than I've ever created in my life. And I'm excited for that. And I really hope that you guys are on the receiving end of some of that creation and um, I hope you benefit from it. And I hope you choose to share it with anybody else that you feel it could be of service to uh, because that's why we're putting it out there. And I'm so lucky and fortunate to have just such an incredible team growing around me coming off that event that I just told you about in October, which was really like the maiden voyage almost, you know, it was like, it was like, it was like we had been sailing for quite a few years, but we had just an incredible shipwreck that destroyed our whole fleet, you know, and, and then we had to rebuild from the ground up and we didn't know if these ships were seaworthy and ended up being better than we could have ever created. And better than we ever would have created if we didn't have that hurricane and shipwreck and if our fleet wasn't destroyed. So let the metaphors continue. But um, that event brought a lot of amazing people into my life, our lives, really. Amelia and I are, Amelia is guiding the Runga ship just as much as I am, believe you me. Even though I get a lot of the credit, she's really the sorcerer. But that event just, you know, like a magnet, brought in some amazing people that are going to really help transform our our the people that pay attention to us and their consciousness and their spirituality and their lives and their connectedness and their purpose and their intentions. And then it brought me closer to people that were already in my life and has allowed um, those relationships to, to hopefully only get deeper and those roots to go longer. And, and now we're going to collaborate and work together even more to create more magic for the world. So that's it, guys. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Um, much love. I'll talk to you soon, okay? 
Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. For the show notes for today's episode, head on over to coachjoedi.com and click podcast from the menu. If you'd like to leave a review, which I would absolutely appreciate on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you found this show, please do so. These mean the world to me. They help me understand what my audience is gaining from these shows that I'm pouring my heart into and ultimately helps us to reach more people because these platforms like shows that get reviews. So it helps us out so much. If you're digging the shows, this would be so great if you could just leave a review. Also, I still give away $150 every two weeks to kettlebellkings.com to somebody that reviews my show. So if you leave a review, just screenshot it and email it to hey at coachjodi.com and my team will enter you to win this $150 gift card so that you can outfit your home with a couple of kettlebells on me. Also, when you're in the show notes, you'll find links to any products that we discussed. For full transparency, some of these links do contain affiliate links. This helps me to fund these episodes, pay my staff, and ensure that I'm taking care of the people that take care of us. So I absolutely appreciate you clicking links and using codes. It helps keep this train on the tracks. All right, guys, until next week, thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate you guys subscribing and listening to this show every week. I really put a lot into them, so thank you so much. And you'll hear from me again next week. Take care.